Hello. Welcome to Harmony UK, the podcast for news and views from the exciting world of British barbershop harmony singing. I'm John Beasley, and in this edition number six, we'll be asking about the ingredients for a successful and long-lasting quartet. I think that it's mostly becoming good friends and appreciating each other for our best and worst qualities all in one stroke, and it's, it's much like a relationship. The members of Round Midnight, together for a dozen years or more, will share with us some of the things that you should do, and from others we'll hear maybe one or two of the things you shouldn't. I don't sing in a regular quartet at the moment because I kill baritones. More on that later, and more on this too. Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody as a polecat. A mass sing of this arrangement is just one of the events in Harrogate planned to celebrate the 40th anniversary of LABS, the Ladies' Association of British Barbershop Singers. We'll hear about some of the others too, including a virtual chorus. Well, real barbershop choruses are thriving here in the UK, so why do so many of them find it so difficult to recruit a musical director? I think it's a lot to do with the fact that people don't plan for their succession. I think a lot of directors like to keep the job for themselves. Well, that's one view. We'll hear others, including from two of the most influential voices in Barbershop, Alan Goldsmith of Babs and Joe Ceruti from America's Barbershop Harmony Society. Plus news from across the channel. We'll meet some of the pioneers introducing new audiences to Barbershop in France. We're really surprised not to find anything, no association, nothing about barbershop in France, which is a rich cultural country uh, as regarding music and everything. And why? Why no barbershop in France? But first, do you sing in a quartet? Would you like to? Uh, quartets were, after all, how barbershops started a century and more ago. Uh, they were at the heart in the 1930s of the original movement to preserve the art form. And there are some who still say that four voices remain the purest and the most exciting way to experience the joys of all those close harmonies and ringing chords. If you've ever wondered what 40 dedicated quartetters sound like when they all sing together, well... They sound pretty much like a chorus. This, in fact, is a chorus of extreme quartetters winding down at the end of Babs Harmony College at Nottingham University back in August this year. They'd each learned six songs in their own part, and for two days they'd been on a kind of musical whirly-gig, switching frequently from one quartet to another, each time trying to blend voices, build dynamics, and devise choreography pretty much from scratch. I was intrigued by this idea, so I signed up for the extreme quartets myself, and in a spare moment I asked three of my fellow singers why they were there. Hi, I'm Lynn, and I sing Barbershop. I'm Kevin. I live in Nottingham, where this is being recorded, and I sing baritone. I'm John, and I sing bass barbershop. It's a challenge. I love the harmonies, and I love to sing with people who know what they're singing and, and to blend with them. That's the excitement of it. For me, it was about stretching myself, um, singing more difficult arrangements and getting used to singing in front of lots of different people, so having audiences to sing in front of that are knowledgeable and will correct you if you're wrong. 
Yeah, like Lynn, it's uh, stretching everybody outside their normal comfort zone because it's a little more exacting. But you're with a great body of people and the teamwork and the camaraderie is fantastic. So it encourages everybody rather than discouraging everybody. And so you find yourself being carried along and taken to a higher level. You have 40 people altogether, a very large permutation of quartets. Do you actually get enough time to sing together to make much difference? Yeah, and and actually I think for part of the thing is being quick at adapting, and I think that's part of the real challenge, and I think that's what makes it extreme quartetting rather than quartetting. Yes, you have to, when you sing with people for the first time, you have to learn how to adjust to their voices, and they're going to make mistakes which you're not expecting, and you've got to adapt to those two and, and learn how to correct everything, and how to sing together, how to sing as a unit. We've all been given teach tracks to learn from, so over a period of time we've been singing against a perfectly matched teach track. But when we come to the actual event itself, that's a little more challenging because not everybody is quite so stable, so you have to adapt. But everybody is quite experienced and they know how to self-correct and educate and try and take themselves to a higher level. Are there particularly difficult moments, though, at, at, at times with this particular format? There can be, yes. Uh, because if, if it all goes wrong, and if somebody's really struggling with a particular song, which can happen, then how do you put that right without grinding away at it? And that's a, quite a difficult thing to do. And some people don't get songs, but it's relatively few. This year, we've got fewer than we had last year. We had 60, I think, last year, going on for 60, and this year's 40. And that's actually a more manageable number, I think, anyway. Are, are any of you first-timers, or have you all been here two or three times? No, we've... We're, yeah, been here before. We're, we're, yeah. So, so you've all been, all been a couple of times. So let me ask you then, how has this helped you in your quartetting life? I'm assuming that you all sing in quartets outside of Harmony College, in, in, in your choruses and in your, your barbershopping communities. A lot. Um, being flexible, being adaptable. Um, I sing in a mixed quartet where usually I sing baritone, but sometimes I sing lead and knowing the difference between the parts, things like that have been really helpful. I don't sing in a regular quartet at the moment because I kill baritones. Uh, the last two baritones, Not literally, I no, The last two <laughs> who I've sung with have died, unfortunately. <laughs> so nobody wants to sing with me anymore. <laughs> but I think it, does, it gives you confidence. That's the important thing. And as Lynn says, you know, to stand up in front of an audience, even though they're an audience of friends... Uh, is, is a great thing. When we, we sang in front of the big audience last year because we were the lucky winners of this particular competition and to go out in front of even a friendly audience and they were really nice oh. is tough. You know, the knees do knock a little bit and the voice can go. <laughs> Thanks to John, Lynn and Kevin for sharing their experiences with me during a brief lull before we moved on from one extreme quartet to another. Well, the skills that we practised at extreme quartets are important, I know, but I can't help feeling that there must be a bit more to being in a successful quartet. My baby's eyes are blue, blue as blue as summer skies. My baby's hair is golden hued, the kind I idolise. And when my baby's near, We've travelled back in time to 2001. This is Matrix, the quartet which won the Babs gold medal that year. Michael Potts was singing lead. He's still singing in quartet today and still hankering for another of those gold medals. It would be his third. I asked him about his quartetting career. 
First quartet was Matrix back in 2001, Glasgow. So that was a, a kind of unexpected. We were it was the first competition we'd been in, and my first time in 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 a big boys contest. And it was great fun, but you know a little scary at the same time. And then took a few years out of quartet, and then formed Evolution uh, 2006, seven I think, and then uh, took gold in Landudno with a quartet. So that was a, that was quite a fun one. Just started a new quartet. Well, started just joined a new quartet in the past. Six months, heading for prelims this year for the first time, so that should be uh, interesting. And what's the quartet called? Uh, Headquarters is the new one. Tell us about the the difference then between 2001, when you first won gold, and, and now. Is, it, is, is life any more difficult, do you think, for quartets than it used to be? I think the hardest thing now is finding songs that, that fit. I think when you're a novice quartet, you can try a lot of songs and you, know, you work out with coaches and with yourselves what, what kind of works for you. And now we all have opinions on what kind of songs we want to sing or the kind of genre we think would fit. So trying to find the right songs now and still agreeing on what to wear is obviously a nightmare for anybody. <laughs> Absolutely. In terms of the songs, I mean, is, is there a wider range of songs these days? I think there are, and that's kind of half the problem, that there's so much available now. It's choosing the right style of music. You know, Do you want to look at songs that quartets used to sing 20, 30 years ago and revamp them and try and get them rearranged or do you get stuff arranged for yourself? Even just on Tim Warwick's website, there are hundreds of songs on there from a whole plethora of, of arrangers. So searching through to find songs you think will fit that haven't been used excessively over the past few years, I think we're still in the phase now where songs go through cycles. So you know, when OC Times sang... Love Me and songs like that, everybody sang it. And you know, I think lots of quartets do that. So especially the international champion quartets, they generate buzz around particular songs. So lots of quartets try and bring those into the repertoire. And it's hard not to do that. But at the same time, you know, you want to make sure you can keep some individualism to your quartet and find songs that you can make your own, at least as far as the, the home crowd is concerned, I think. And does HQ then, as a quartet, I mean, you're, you're just starting out now, but do, do you, the four of you, have ambitions to, to get into that top flight, to go to internationals and, and, and start knocking on the door there? It's, uh, yeah, it's a dream of all of us. It's hard not to want to do that. A year or so ago, a couple of us got together and started to talk about a new quartet. And we, we sang well and it, it sounded great, but then when we sat down, we had different plans. Two of us wanted to visit the States again, two didn't have any ambitions to do that. And the four of us really want to go. Michael Potts offering a glimpse of some of the big questions that serious quartets have to answer. And returning to Harmony College for a moment, that was one of the themes developed at a fascinating seminar by this famous foursome. Well, it's a marvellous night for a moonbeam with the stars up above your eyes. A fantabulous night to make romance beneath the cover of October skies. And all the leaves on the trees are falling to the sound of the breezes that blow. And I'm trying to please to the calling of your heartstrings that play soft and low. And all the Night's magic seems to whisper and hush And all the soft moonlight seems to The American Quartet round midnight with their CD rendition of Van Morrison's Moon Dance. Round Midnight were special guests at this year's event and they'd clearly been doing a lot of thinking about what was needed to create a quartet that would stand the test of time. Hi, my name is Jeff Klimboski. I sing bass. My name is Larry Bombach. I sing tenor. 
My name's TJ Carollo. I sing baritone. Well, gentlemen, thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. Tell me, how long has Round Midnight itself been going as a quartet now? So this configuration of Round Midnight has been together for almost 12 years, although the other three gentlemen in it, uh, Jeff, TJ, and Wayne, our lead singer, um, have known each other for more than that. Much longer. Much much longer than 12 years. Probably closer to 20 at this point. And, and what was it then that decided you that quartetting was for the four of you? Well, Jeff and Wayne and I all met in college, and we had a professor named Dave Johnson, and he put us on to barbershop quartetting. So we all sang in different collegiate quartets, and we sang in concert choirs together in college, and that kind of hooked us on barbershop singing. And what is the secret then? What is the secret of longevity for a quartet? How do you you get one to stay together? Um, I think that it's mostly becoming good friends and appreciating each other for our best and worst qualities all in one stroke and it's it's much like a relationship you take the good with the bad and you celebrate your victories and you celebrate your losses together however it may turn but you you really broke it down didn't you when people are forming quartets you you were suggesting there are five very distinctive things they ought to think about Sure. So we, we were giving a session today earlier at, at, at the Harmony College, and the, the five factors that we talked about in terms of developing a quartet identity are as follows. The first is having a persona for the quartet itself, something that you can sum up in maybe two or three words that um, you could immediately tell somebody about your quartet, and if they heard you perform or saw you perform, they'd be able to kind of parrot that back. Then, after that, you want to look at the individual uh, members of each quartet. What are the individual characters that exist in each quartet? I am not Jeff. Jeff is not me. I am not TJ. TJ is not me. We are all very different, have totally different backgrounds, lifestyles, and we want to be able to bring those individual personas to the presentation of a performance, even as we are in a single unit of a, of a quartet persona. Then the other uh, areas you want to look at is how can you differentiate yourself from a vocal standpoint? What are the vocal stylings that make your sound unique? Are you a particularly bright quartet? Are you a particularly dark quartet with a lot of depth? Do you have a rich tone? Where is the resonance happening, and how is that resonance unique to your sound? Visual stylings is another component of the quartet identity. What makes you look and appear different than other quartets? That can be the way you move on stage. It can be what you're wearing. So those are four of the factors. And the fifth factor is song selection. song selection. Absolutely. Probably the most important part of the quartet identity is what you're singing. You know, a really good case in point, Round Midnight, when we started as a, as a quartet, had, had a really hard time sort of meshing these four very different personalities with the songs that we were singing on stage. We basically just grabbed arrangements that we had available to us and sung them and said, okay, well, we sing them kind of well. But they didn't really project our individual personas nor the quartet's persona to the audience and that was reflected in the scores and the, and the feedback from the audience itself really good case in point is our first quartet contest we wore these very bright purple tuxedos and we sang i've been working on the railroad now we never wear tuxedos in our real life we've never worked on a railroad before <laughs> and this was this was not a particularly easy song for us to sing and nobody who does work on a railroad actually works on a railroad with the tuxedo on so this was a particularly challenging tune for us. And while we sang it well, I don't think anybody would say we didn't sing it in tune or the chords were in ringing or locking. There was something inauthentic, something not particularly genuine about the performance. So sing things that you genuinely believe in and, and, and look like you believe in them too, I guess. Absolutely. You'll look like you believe in them if you actually do believe in them. 
don't you have to be pretty confident, though, to start um, uh, exhibiting your own personalities? I'm, I'm thinking of new quartets getting together, particularly those who've been in choruses, where the, the chorus director has drilled into them the fact that you shouldn't stand out as an individual. You've got to blend your voice. You've got to sound like everybody else. You've got to sound like a unit. Singing in a chorus and singing in a quartet are two different animals. Uh, when you're within an ensemble and you're in a section of people who are singing the same part as you, yes, you have to do everything that you can to blend with the people in your section. But the best part about singing in a quartet is that there's no one in your section to blend. You are the person who has to carry your own part, so confidence is definitely one of the utmost things that you want to carry as a quartet singer. So if I were to ask the three of you then, what, what, what are the personal qualities that you bring to quartetting? I mean, what would you say in a nutshell? Well, Larry has described me as the elder statesman. I'm the oldest guy in the quartet. So I bring maturity and life experience to the quartet that the other guys don't as much as I do. Larry? Uh, I like to think of myself as sort of the preppy guy in the quartet, the one who is a little bit anxious and neurotic, but also hyper-intelligent and always thinking, you know, 20 steps ahead. And Jeff? Um, I am kind of like a curveball in the quartet. I have no fear and I'm ready to bring an element to the quartet of surprise and engagement. And, you know, I'm, I'm the secret weapon. One of the things that the, the, <laughs> the secret weapon, that's right. I've just taken a slight step away, actually, from the secret weapon here. Um, one of the things that, that, that I do notice, I mean, we, we all know this in Barbershop, that a lot of quartets come together. They go into competition, they win a gold medal, and they quickly break up. Given what you've said about the longevity of quartets and the, the effort that you have to put into thinking out your, the personality of your quartet and the songs you sing, do we sometimes put a little bit too much emphasis on competition, do you think? I agree 110%. I, I absolutely think this is a problem for barbershop in general, is too much of a focus on competition and not enough focus on community. Barbershop harmony in general is a very inside baseball type of art form. It's oftentimes sung for fellow barbershoppers first and foremost. Most of the time when people experience barbershop, it's through a competition or through a contest. And for someone who's never experienced barbershop before, going to a contest or a competition can be quite overwhelming uh, as a first-time experience. I do think that all barbershoppers could benefit from taking a step back from competition once in a while and really thinking about how they can more greatly impact their local community rather than just a competition. And finally, Round Midnight yourselves have been together for 12 years. I presume that this is still a long-term venture. How are you evolving? Well, it depends on our life experience. We've been together for 12 years, and we've gone through adventures individually and as a quartet, and that helps evolve with your persona as well. So the things that you're going through in your life come through on stage, hopefully. But the most important thing is that the four of us are still really, really good friends. And we hang out outside of the quartet and we communicate not about just barbershop. And that's not the only thing that we want to do. So we enjoy each other's company. Well, at that point, round midnight's lead, Wayne Grimmer, arrived. And with the full quartet together, what better than an impromptu song? Go ahead and have 
midnight singing don't be a baby baby and thanks to larry wayne tj and jeff for the song and for talking to harmony uk podcast now let's leave babs harmony college and look ahead to a big anniversary moment for women's barbershop in britain at the end of October 2016, LABS, the Ladies' Association of British Barbershop Singers, will be marking 40 years of singing at a special convention in Harrogate. The celebrations will involve every one of their 50 or more clubs who've been working throughout the year on some ambitious projects. Brenda Rothwell, who chairs the association, has been telling me more. We launched at our convention last year our 40th anniversary beacon of harmony. It takes the form of a scroll and it was launched on stage last year and since then it has travelled the length and breadth of the country. How many clubs altogether in labs then has the Beacon visited? Um, Approximately 55. So all of our clubs at the time um, signed up to take part so it will be welcomed back on stage at the opening ceremony on Friday morning. So I think for our members, that will be quite a moment because it's something that, you know, all our members seem to have got on board with and joined in, which is absolutely marvellous. And I gather it's going to be carried in by by last year's uh, champion chorus, is that right? That's right. It happens to be, um, it's coming on stage and will be brought by the White Rosettes, but it just so happens they are the closest or more or less the the closest club to Harrogate Convention. So it was always planned that they would be the last club to receive um, the Beacon of Harmony and bring it back to Convention. I'm sure it'll be an amazing moment. What else can we expect then at this uh, 40th anniversary convention? Something that's been very special for us this year is we commissioned a 40th anniversary polecat and it was arranged by one of our members Heather Lane and it's Bohemian Rhapsody and it will be sung en masse after the chorus competition this year and we did a similar thing at our quartet prelims and we recorded it and we put it online and it attracted over 90,000 viewings so I'm sure we're going to do something similar only it will be on a on a bigger scale this time at convention so that's definitely going to be a highlight of the weekend
Bohemian Rhapsody, as sung earlier this year by hundreds of voices at Labs Harmony College. You heard Brenda telling us about the Beacon of Harmony. Well, the scroll contained a tag which was specially written and arranged for Lab's 40th anniversary and which a number of choruses took the opportunity to learn while the Beacon was in their care. Quite a few videoed themselves singing the tag and at convention those recordings will be brought together on screen as a huge virtual chorus. Well, Peter Nugent is the barbershopper who's melding these performances together. Nuge, as he's known in the barbershop world, is a Babs gold medal quartet baritone who's developed a parallel barbershop career as a maker of teach tracks, a CD producer and a sound engineer. Well, Nuge very kindly packed his laptop computer into his car and drove up the M4 to my house to explain about the lab's virtual chorus. And in the kitchen, over a steaming mug of tea, he showed me how the technology worked. Okay, so this is a magic piece of software called Melodyne, and this is what I use. It allows me to line up uh, the different uh, tracks that I've had in from the, the different courses. So if I play through some of these um, one at a time, and so this is the first chorus, and I'll scan through them. Another chorus. Another chorus. Different perches, another chorus. And all these different. So there's some varying choices of, of pitch. Uh, that those courses are made, but with the software, it allows me to line everything up. So if I play the whole thing uh, together, it sounds like uh, like this. Hey, they're all they're they're all cheering. Sounds like a choir of hundreds, because I, I guess it is a choir of hundreds. It, yeah, there were thirteen choruses that supplied copies of them, the recording, the tag with videos and whatever, and I'd say maybe about thirty, forty people. So it you know, literally is uh, you know well into the hundreds, and you can hear all those voices in there. And the when you the sound averages out, it comes out, and I think it sounds fantastic. I think it sounds absolutely brilliant too, and I'm, I'm sure that at Labs Convention, on the big speakers and everything, it's going to sound absolutely wonderful. But a couple of things occur to me. I mean, you, you flick through the sound files there, and they all sounded as though they were singing pretty well, but there must have been some differences. I mean, for a start, supposing they're not all singing at the same speed, what do you do about that? Well, that's where this piece of magic software called Melodyne comes in. Basically, what it allows me to do is to stretch the sound or to pull sound in so we can line up all the singing. So basically what I do, I chose one chorus as the guide track 
who will remain nameless, in case the others all fall out with me. And basically, then I lined everybody else up with that. And a clue in this might be the fact that Delith Knight arranged that song. So uh, you may be able to work out which chorus it was from that. (laughs) Answers on a postcard, please. Do Harmony UK podcast. Well, what about, I mean, the other thing is, of course, that we all try and sing in tune, in key, in pitch, but we don't always quite make it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I was talking about, when uh, some of the choruses made different choices for pitch, and you can hear it in the individual sounds, but I think generally, to get that chorus sound, not everybody is singing the same pitch, that's why the sound sounds so big, and when you pull it all together, it sounds very harmonious. Well, I think it does anyway. I, I, I think so too. So how much of this then is, is, is your idea of what a big chorus should sound like? How, how much influence do you personally have on it? Very little. My job here is just to line all the voices up and what comes out at the end, it's always an unknown and it, it's its own creation. But this is by no means Nuge's first foray into the online universe of the virtual barbershop chorus. I used to be the first one to cry When I think what tomorrow arrangements gifted to me the first one was an arrangement by David Harrington of If I Had My Way and uh, the second song was Lazy Day and David Wright gifted his arrangement of of Lazy Day that it was giving access to people who normally wouldn't have access, I think, because of the problems they were having, to a, a chorus. So, for example, there are three transgender singers who contacted me to say that they couldn't sing with either a female chorus or a male chorus, but they got to sing in this group, and also they're in contact with each other now. Also, I have got a few disabled people, again, who didn't have access to a chorus because of the problems that they were having. So they're singing in the virtual chorus. And the interesting one for me, the one that still makes me tingle, is that there's a lady in Scotland who has a sister in Australia, haven't met for something like 30 years. They contact each other via Skype and that sort of thing. But they're actually singing in the virtual chorus and their videos are next to each other. And it always gives me a little bit of a tingle when I think about that. It really does bring people together. Yeah, that's what harmony is. I mean, I would say harmony is more than about the sound that we make. And uh, it was just another way of interacting. There could be a future for it, but it, it does mean we need brave people to video themselves and send that video in to me to allow me to, uh, to, to work my magic with it. I was going to say, is, is it always easy to persuade people to video themselves? Because it is quite a personal thing, isn't it, sort of sticking a video on and then performing in front of it? 
Absolutely. And the people that initially submitted for the very first virtual chorus didn't really know me. And there was a huge trust element in it. And I bring that down to the types of character of people that sing in barbershop. We're open-hearted, we wear our hearts on our sleeves. And you know, we, I think we tend to do things that maybe are a little bit scary for us to uh, help us connect with each, with each other. Nuge, a.k.a. Peter Nugent, helping people to connect through virtual choruses. So let's hear a little more of Lazy Day. I love that song, and I'm sure it'll be sung a time or two at Lab's 40th anniversary convention. I'll be travelling up to Harrogate to record the next Harmony UK podcast at Lab's convention, and I'm looking forward to it enormously. In the meantime, if you've any comments on this podcast, or you've ideas or suggestions for future editions, then do get in touch, either by email, the address is harmonyukpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at harmonyukpod or search for the Harmony UK podcast page on Facebook. Now, are you in a barbershop chorus which is currently without a musical director? Is the chorus struggling to find one? Plenty do. Take Harrogate Harmony, for instance. Well, there they are on YouTube, uh, Harrogate Harmony, a group of older men in West Yorkshire who sing mainly for fun and to entertain at local concerts, care homes and community events. Well, I'm Harold Blackburn and I'm the chairman of Harrogate Harmony Barbershop Chorus. Um, I also act as assistant uh, musical director. Harold has been a friend of mine for quite a few years now. We used to sing together on the risers in West London before he moved north three years ago. Uh, When he joined his new chorus, he found that they were having real trouble finding a permanent musical director. And being a resourceful kind of fellow, he offered to help out. After a while, I wrote to the Leeds and York University Music Colleges and we managed to recruit a young man who had finished his degree and was starting life as a musical director and conductor. He only stayed with us for about three months because he he got a job as conductor to the West Riding Symphony Orchestra. So how long then have you been without a director since he left? After he left, we advertised and we found a young man who sang with Spirit of Harmony and Sheffield and he came to us and stayed with us for just under a year and since then we've been without a musical director so that's a period of approaching another year. What effect then is it having on the chorus being without a full-time director? The unfortunate part about it is that because the 
musical directors, my colleague and myself, are actually members of the chorus. We don't achieve the same sort of respect uh, or, and discipline as a formal musical director would. Harold told me that story at Harmony College, yep, we're back in Nottingham again, where, as a last resort, he'd signed up for the chorus director's stream to see whether he could learn some of the necessary skills himself. But his story isn't unique by any means, and it set me wondering why there seemed to be such a perennial shortage of skilled barbershop musical directors. I'm Lynn Kidby. I used to be Lynn Kirkbright, so people may recognise that name as well. And I started singing Barbershop 29 years ago. Um, I directed a men's chorus, MK a cappella, uh, for 11 and a half years. Um, I decided to have a rest from them and then ended up directing the ladies for about three years. And now I'm back directing the men again. Why do you think there is such a shortage of directors in Barbershop? I think it's a lot to do with the fact that people don't plan for their succession. I think a lot of directors like to keep the job for themselves I have had experience of directors like that myself. So I think they tend to feel that it's their job, they're going to hang on to it, they know better than everyone. They don't want to share. It's hard to share when you know how you want your chorus to sing. You don't want somebody else trying to do it a different way. But actually you have to let go a bit and train a successor because nobody's going to come in and start directing a barbershop chorus if nobody's let them have a go beforehand because it's rather daunting. So how should they go about then training up their successor, as you put it? Well, the method that I've used a couple of times now is towards the end of the evening, I might ask people to nominate a song they particularly like and then I ask them to come out and direct it and they all sort of look very shocked and you know they don't particularly want to do it but you press them and they usually come out and give it a go and over the course of a few weeks you gradually identify who it is who's looking comfortable doing it and who has a little bit of talent there that you can use and then you ask them a bit more often and then you might suggest they have a song of their own to direct which is what my assistant director has Um, I'm just about to give him another one and you gradually get them to do that and then you give them responsibility if you're away or for part of the rehearsal Um, and that's the way you go about it. I asked Lynn whether there were ways in which the barbershop organisations could encourage more musical directors to come forward. I think Babs does fairly well, actually, better than the other organisations as far as I know, because they have Directors College, and particularly they have a director's stream here at Harmony College. So anybody that feels they'd like to direct might attend. I guess what they need to be doing is persuading the frontline directors to send more of their chorus to the directing stream to see if they have a feel for it. I think that would probably be a good plan. And, of course, Directors College is free for the frontline directors, but your assistant directors have to pay, or the, or the chorus has to pay for the assistant directors. And I do think that maybe, since they do it annually, maybe they could change it around occasionally so that there's more encouragement given to the trainee directors... Bursaries, that sort of thing. That sort of thing, yeah. Because, you know, it's quite expensive. Some choruses can't afford it. We're a small chorus. We don't have a lot of spare cash. Um, Our assistant director has been twice. We paid for him once. He paid for himself last time. But it's difficult. You know, people may not have the money to come. And I really think if we want to encourage new people to be directing, 
We need to give people experience of doing it. And what about the other solution? Because some choruses look outside barbershop and they, they, they recruit people who are very often making money out of music uh, of, of other forms, uh, classical uh, choral music, that sort of thing. Well, again, I've found that if you look outside for other people to come along, they usually want to be paid. And um, I think most barbershop chorus directors do it for the love of the singing and and what they're doing. Uh, The idea of paying somebody so much a week to turn up is... It doesn't feel quite right somehow. And, again, you know, we've advertised in the past for, you know, somebody to come along and you don't, don't necessarily get any response at all. It's difficult to know where to advertise as well to get somebody suitable. We have had people come in, I know, in other choruses, but I don't know how successful that is. Lynn Kidby there of MK Acapella. Well, one of the great things about an event like Harmony College is that it brings together people with a wealth of barbershop knowledge and experience. And sure enough, just after Lynn and I had finished talking, I ran into two of the most knowledgeable of all. Alan Goldsmith, Bab's Music Services Director, and with him, Joe Ceruti, who's Director of Outreach for the Barbershop Harmony Society in the US. Joe was in Nottingham this year to coach the Harmony College auditioned chorus. Well, I first asked Alan why he thought there was such a director's shortage. I think there's an issue about people having the confidence to take over barbershop choruses from within the chorus itself and then people from outside barbershop, from other musical genre, uh, knowing enough about barbershop to have the confidence to come in. What we have seen over the past three or four years is an increasing number of people with a, a vocal background in other types of singing, whether it's church music, whether it's a cappella, then actually saying, well, I'll try barbershop, and taking on our barbershop courses and learning what barbershop's about. And some of those have done a superb job. Some have found it difficult and not what they want. Others have taken to it. And probably at the moment, out of our 60 choruses, seven or eight have got directors who are not barbershop singers themselves, but have come into barbershop from other singing genre. Well, as one barbershop chorus director pointed out to me, one of the difficulties of getting people from elsewhere is they want paying, and we don't traditionally pay our directors. That's true, and a number of choruses now do pay their directors because some of these people, some are guys, some are women, are professional musicians who earn their living by directing a number of choruses or choirs something we have to perhaps accept and adjust but at the moment of our top choruses the majority are barbershop singers who do it for the love of what we all do in terms of the the lack of confidence within choruses for people to come forward is that anything to do with some of the directors that we have because i have heard it suggested that that some like to be kingpins in their own choruses and perhaps don't like to be challenged by new people i think there's putting a harsh interpretation on it I think some of them take the view that it's their chorus and they know what they want. And what we try to encourage our directors to do is to give people opportunities, to give people an opportunity to stand in front of the chorus and to direct one song, because it's succession planning. And quite rightly, as you point out, a number of choruses are without directors or having difficulties because we don't have people waiting in the wings ready to take over. It is an issue that we address through Directors Academy every year, and we're gradually getting there, but it's a long process. Joe Saruti, you're you're listening to this. You're very much involved with the Barbershop Harmony Society in the US. Do American choruses have the same problem? 
American choruses do have the same problem. The interesting thing about that issue is that our art form, the barbershop art form, was originated and has been maintained as essentially an art form of amateur singers, which is, in this day and age, a thing that, that the world needs. I think that the more we can get people singing, uh, the better uh, this world is going to be. And barbershop organizations have a lot to offer trained musicians if they're interested in expanding their horizon and learning how to be better leaders. The barbershop organizations lately, the quality of our choruses has gotten much, much better over the past maybe 10, 15 years or so. And we're getting to the point where we need professionals to come in and take these choruses to the next level. Are you saying then that things are changing, that the, that, that the organizations and the choruses themselves have to become more professional now? Well, I think that, say, 30, 40 years ago, when we were primarily amateurs at singing, we had gotten a bad, at least in the U.S., barbershop had gotten a very, very bad stereotype for poor vocal technique. And over the past 10 or 15 years, we have had music teachers step in to sing in quartets and direct choruses and give our groups very legitimate training in how to produce proper vocal technique and how to perform at the highest possible level. So our organization, our art form, is evolving to a very, very high level that we have individuals, amateur singers, who are doing extraordinary things. I've said many times that we have ordinary people doing extraordinary things thanks to the support that we've gotten over the past couple of years by trained musicians who are buying into what Barbershop has to offer. And the more we can get trained singers, trained conductors, trained leaders on our side to help us further our art form and our organization, I think the better off we're going to be. And in Britain, Alan Goldsmith, is it the quality of the directors which concerns you as much as the numbers? I wouldn't say it concerns me, but there's little doubt that the better the director, then the, the better the chorus will perform. There's a clear relationship between those, those qualities. So what we try to do is to invest in our directors, our current directors and our future directors, and we work very hard to do that. What we have found, which is encouraging, is that over the past 10 or 12 years, that the relationship between ourselves as an organization and other music organizations, non-barbershop organizations, has improved significantly and that people like the Association of British Choral Directors, known as ABCD, now recognize that barbershop directors have a talent and barbershop choruses sing at a level that perhaps some of their choirs don't because singing barbershop is not easy. Dick Shannon, the uh, guru of a cappella has called barbershop the black belt of a cappella singing it's a challenge it's difficult to do but with the right leadership our guys make a, a tremendous job that was alan goldsmith the music services director of babs the british association of barbershop singers who's standing down from his post at the end of the year and he also heard joe ceruti distinguished musical educator and director of outreach for bhs the barbershop harmony society 
Well, they had a lot of interesting things to say that, for lack of time, I haven't been able to include in this podcast. But you can find the full-length discussion that we recorded posted separately on the Harmony UK podcast page on SoundCloud. And if you've any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do email, tweet or post them on our Facebook page. Now, in recent years, we've become used to seeing barbershop choruses and quartets from many parts of the world, but never till recently from France. In 2015, the French Association of Barbershop Singers, FRABS, was launched, and this year at Babs Harmony College, the group's first quartet enrolled and performed for the very first time. Afterwards, I caught up with them in the bar. We are a quartet coming from France, Paris, France, and so we are the very first quartet going on stage uh, outside of France. So uh, as a quartet, it was our very first uh, stage today, so uh, yeah, uh, pretty exciting. So we don't really have a name as a quartet, so uh, today we had like a temporary name for the thrill of the show, we are named the Musketeers, because it was a little bit cliche, you know. We have Vincent, PV, Remy and Pez, the Musketeers. Say they're sweet one, sweet one, fairer than the flowers of fairs. Never will I meet someone sweeter than you, no one sweeter than you. I'm saying, would you, would you just turn away or could you really learn to care if I ever dare to say I love you, only you? If the nightingales could sing like you, they seem much sweeter than they do. For you brought a new kind of love to me. You brought your love to me. My name is PV. Here's Vincent. And our bass is Pascal and uh, Baritone Remy. Tell us a little bit about barbershop in, in France then. It, it, is there very much of it? No, no definitely not. Uh, we are just getting started right now, so uh, we are lucky enough to be part as well as this, the French Association of Abishop Singer. That was, so it, it started beginning of 2015, so it is the most recent association in Europe. All the other countries in Europe, they are already into barbershop quite well. Like you have Bing in Germany, even Sabs and Spain has been going for like 10 years or something. Of course, Babs, uh, but snobs uh, in the Nordic countries and everything. So, but we are like the, the, the last association that was created. And so uh, we were quite surprised when we realized that we were, we were really loving barbershop. We were really surprised not to find anything, no association, nothing about barbershop in France, which is a rich cultural country uh, as regarding music and everything and why why no barbershop in France that, that was very, really surprising at the very good question but where did you discover barbershop on the internet most of us it's we, we, we got started on the internet like finding that video by, by mistake like uh, you, you know you're browsing on the internet and uh, spending a lot of time on YouTube whatever and all of a sudden like what the hell is this and uh that's the thing that was missing in our lives without even we knowing it, you know? Does that make sense? So what, what, what sort of choruses and what sort of quartets did you, did, did you, did you see and, and, and which were the ones that turned you on to Barbershop? I guess it's a different story for all of us. I mean, all the, all the French guys here could tell you uh, some different quartets' names, but 
For me, it would be, uh, you know, the show quartets. For example, Vocal Spectrum. At the beginning, it was them because they're pretty popular. Doing some uh, modern arrangements. So for us, it was easier to get into barbershop, to get hooked on this performance-oriented barbershop style. Those arrangements, Aaron Dale, uh, David Wright, that kind of things. You put on a, a pretty impressive performance at the show at Harmony College this evening. Um, singing in, in English, is it difficult to get people interested because of the language barrier, because you're singing in English? Yeah, there is that as well. Like We have a, a couple of members that are really fluent in English, so it's not a problem. But, the, you know, barbershop is also about performance, as I was saying. And so, you know, you have to get people into the lyrics, the emotion that you have in your songs. And so it's difficult... Uh, to uh, have a real show in France with uh, those people not understanding what you're talking about. And so you have to get them hooked on those, you know, those ringing chords. And then even if they're not good English speakers, they have to get into that. So it, it's, a dif- it's a difficulty, but it's not impossible. Is, is there another way of overcoming it? Are there traditional French songs that would uh, arrange in the barbershop style, or, or is it possible maybe to translate some of the songs that we sing into French? We're thinking about that, but, uh, uh, well, in my opinion, barbershop is English. It, it's, it is related to English, uh, so it's difficult to sing barbershop in, in my mind. Uh, it's difficult to sing it in another language than English. But uh, we're thinking about this, and uh, we have a couple of guys really gifted that are trying to make their own arrangements and trying to arrange some French songs because it would help us to promote Barbershop in France for a start. I think we'd love to hear those songs here too when they're arranged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have, uh, you know, a lot of people everywhere in the world that are always asking, how can we help you guys? How can we help you guys? And uh, most of the time our answer is we don't know. But now we are trying to have some uh, answers to that question, which is, all right, maybe we can help, you can help with that arrangement that we have and we are working on. So uh, that would be a good start, yeah, to, to have those arrangements ready and, and perform them. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. Home to you, for you brought a new kind of love. For you brought a new kind of love. Yes, you brought your love to me. Now I can see that you. Just listen to that enthusiastic applause for a brilliant debut performance from the Musketeers, members of the new French Association of Barbershop Singers. Thanks to Al Lines from Babs for providing the audio. And PV tells me that Frabs are hoping to establish their first chorus in the Paris area. So a warm welcome and best wishes, bienvenue et bonne chance à tous les chanteurs de Frab. And while browsing the internet, I did come across one barbershop arrangement of perhaps the most famous French song, of all. À nos enfants de la patrie, le jour de gloire est arrivé. Contre nous de Yes, la Marseillaise, arranged by Julian Neal, who goes by the name of Trudbol, T-R-U-D-B-O-L, on YouTube. All sorts of other great a cappella arrangements on his channel as well. Well, in past Harmony UK podcasts, we've heard God Save the Queen and the Star Spangled Banner. So, as a salute to the members of Frabs, let's end this edition with the French National Anthem. Until next time, from me, John Beasley, keep the whole world singing. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye.
citoyens, citoyens, formez, formez vos bataillons. Marchons, 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 cassons impur, abreuve nos sillons, sillons, aux armes, armes citoyens, formez, formez vos bataillons. Marchons, 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 cassons impurs, abreuves nos cieux.